Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Wildcast. And to kick this episode off, there's a slight apology because some of you may not have even heard episode 40. Uh, I've been on a few support calls with Anchor this week and not sure why, but Apple Podcasts really didn't like us losing two games to the Telford Tigers. Um, So the episode has been pushed. It may be appearing, it may not. I really hope this one goes down okay. Um, But yeah, so yeah, if you haven't heard episode 40, hopefully you'll be able to. If you want to listen to episode 40, it's available on literally every other podcast outlet apart from Apple. So if you've got Spotify, check us out on there. If you've got any of the other ones, check us out on there. Um, Tom, Joe, how are we both doing? Yeah, good, good. Um, I mean, I think with the whole debacle of Apple podcasts, not liking us losing to the Telford Tigers twice, we've learned a lot about our audience demographics and we know that a fair percentage of our audience listen to Apple podcasts. So, yeah, great. Um, cheers, cheers, um, guys, for you know not posting the podcast to our apparently most listened to um, platform. But, yeah, apart from that, I'm good. Yeah, every um, day is a school day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And... Oh, how are you? All right. I only got I only got a modicum of reviews from there being no episode 40 that Ben probably bent on probably this weekend. Frankly, at least it was only the one game, so at least it was sort of, you know, condensed into one night. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully this one will uh will publish correctly and everyone can listen, everyone can be happy again. We're just gonna call this one please anchor, are we? <laughs> I might do actually. Please. And, and let's be honest, the content should be a smidge more cheerful than the last episode. So there is that as well. Yes, that is very true. That is very, very true. So I think, did we say we were going to jump straight into game action on this one? Yeah. yeah because well. only the one game and then everything else afterwards is what takes up the rest of the time this week, as always. Yeah. So Saturday night, Swindon, Raiders, Link Centre. Only game of the weekend. Tom, 4-3 win. Yeah, exactly. Two points on the board, which is much needed after, you know, obviously a really, really disappointing weekend against the um, Tigers the week before. I mean, we said on the last episode that perhaps we wanted to see a a kind of dominant performance from the Wildcats. Probably wasn't that. I don't or did we say that? Oh, the I can guarantee we did because one listener actually tweeted us back to say it wasn't the yeah. dominant performance we you did. wanted, but you did win. We did, we did, unless you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, in which we will never know. But in, in any case, I, actually, sorry, I did, I did see that one as well, which called us that said, "Well, this episode was depressing." <laughs> yes. So, thanks for the positive feedbacks. We're yeah. depressing. Yay! Yeah. So it wasn't that. I mean, I think. Probably understandably so when you look at the fact that we had the two absentees from the week before and then we added two more in the shape of Thomas Malazinski and Declan Barmer, who are obviously, again, big players and you had four kind of key guys missing. Um, but yeah, it was, I think, on the whole, a pretty solid display from the Wildcats. I don't think it was anything particularly spectacular. The first period, the first period, I thought the Cats, you know, had a lot of puck possession, probably didn't use it as much as they would have liked. They, they didn't get a great deal of shots on um, on Ethan James in the Raiders net. Equally, 
I don't think the Raiders had a ton of possession against us. They looked pretty dangerous off the rush. And yeah, only had, I think it was five shots each team in the period. Um, first goal, controversial. And I think we might want to talk about that one a little bit more um, because I know Joe's seen the highlights so he can, can have you know, a discussion with, on us. Um, but yeah, the first goal, somewhat controversial. And I can understand why the Raiders perhaps wouldn't have been delighted with, with it being given for the Wildcats. But yeah, I mean, the Raiders worked really hard, as they always do. I think the big the, ter- the turning point was the big hit in the second period by Tyler Plews and then immediately on Aaron Connolly and then on the next shift, Emil Svek scoring a, you know, absolute rocket of a slap shot, which we haven't seen from him for a little while. And I think it might have been... I was thinking about this the other day, and I could be wrong, but I think it was his first five-on-five goal since... New Year's Day against the Bees. Joe just dying inside because he knows he's now got to work it out for me. But I'm pretty sure, I think it must, it may well be his first five on five goal since New Year's Day. Which I hate you. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> if you're going <laughs> to do these, Tom, give him notice. Sorry. Sorry. Again, not that everyone would have heard it last week. I said the exact same thing. If you're going to have to come up with something like this, give him some time to prep it. Yeah, and I will. Try and do that next week and inevitably forget again. But anyway, it was a it was a goal a goal which will hopefully be a massive boost to Emil's confidence. And then Aaron obviously scored two goals which weren't the prettiest of his career, but they were very much the epitome of go to the net and good things happen. And yeah, you take the opportunities like that and you get the two points. And the one thing that I think was really pleasing for me was in the third period there was probably a few shifts where after the Raiders scored their um, third goal, that the Cats got a bit kind of scrambly. The Raiders got a bit, started to get a bit more pressure. The last two and a half minutes, I thought the Swindon were absolutely outstanding closing that game out to the point where obviously the Raiders couldn't get Ethan James to the bench for the extra attacker at any point. Um, the Cats held the possession well. They got the puck out. They cleared the zone well. Emil almost scored an absolute worldie of a goal at the end, but even though he didn't score a goal, he at least killed off the last kind of 15 seconds of clock and prevented the Raiders from getting that one last chance. And I thought that was really pleasing because when it gets six on five, obviously it can again get a bit scrambly with the extra guys over. And we've seen Swindon concede a couple of goals in that situation this year. So yeah, it was just really pleasing to kind of see us kill off a game like that. And hopefully that'll be a real confidence boosting performance for the Wildcats, even if it wasn't, you know, a clear cut win. Yeah, I um I can only echo those thoughts. I thought we yeah, I know we we did want that 8-1, 9-1 kind of win just to get a bit of scoring through each of the lines and a bit of not momentum but just a bit of feel good factor. There's an argument to say that a narrow win like that is just as good. You know where your backs are against the wall for a little bit of it and you've come through that and you've not collapsed in the way we did the week before um but yeah I, again we can only we're at that point in the season now where we just need to worry about ourselves and the best thing we can do is be putting wins on the board and that's what we did saturday we knew we got into the weekend we had one game and we had to make sure that we got 100 percent of the points and that's what we did and i think it was good for for skinsy as well i thought to get a win um and to play like he did he made a couple of big saves key points through the game um and yeah generally i was i was happy you know happy you, 
oh yeah, you'd love to have won nine one or something. I think with the Raiders, it, the way I kind of see it, you you can usually tell within the first ten minutes of a game if you're going to turn up and get a big win or if it's going to be a really tight contest. Kind of feels like it's one or the other with them. Um, and it felt on Saturday, I think after about five six minutes, you just knew that was going to be a game where it was going to go all the way. Yeah. Um, but the boys came back well. And I think coming from behind twice was was big as well. Joe, have we talked long enough for you to answer Tom's question yet? Uh, yes, well, I'm going to come back to that at the end. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's, we, uh, yeah, we all said that we wanted a dominant win, but then who doesn't at this level? You just have to look at other games that have gone on this year, or even this weekend, to say that you wanted that. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right with the Raiders. You can pretty much tell within 10 minutes whether or not it is going to be a absolute kicking, or if it's you actually got a game on your hands. There was a game at the Sapphire, which we were all at, where... It, you couldn't work out who was going to win up until, well, penalty shots, really. And then, obviously, Saturday night as well. Because there was a game before Christmas as well where it was 3-0 inside 10 minutes and it just felt like it could have been so much worse. Um, it's nice to see, obviously, the team getting goals, even if one of them... One of them probably shouldn't have counted. I know this is what Tom saw about the first one with CJ scoring from Eddie Bebris. Um yeah, I've, I've got to watch the highlights. It's the perks of recording this on a Wednesday morning. Um, but how has Reed Sayers gotten away with the most obvious trip in the planet Earth? Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty clear-cut. And it's one of those things I didn't really see it on the night because I was kind of looking slightly elsewhere where the play was. And right in front of the referee, it does look like Reed just takes... Sam Baldock's legs away from him and Ollie Baldock. I don't know why I went with Sam. Ollie Baldock's legs away with him. I know why I went with Sam Baldock. Yesterday was transfer deadline day and he was linked with Swinton Town. But yeah, Ollie Baldock um, completely gets, you know, cleaned out and the play doesn't stop. And to be fair to Eddie Bevers and Chris Jones, they do the right thing and carry on. But yeah, it's... Um, they absolutely did the right thing. can absolutely like, understand why the Raiders were very unhappy at the... Um, it's just so painfully obvious, though. Like, he put yeah. a stick through Bulldog's legs, sort of wrapped it around his ankle, and instead of, you know, trying to pull it out, just went, no, and pulled straight through I guess, I guess from a cat's perspective, it's one of those where... They even out over the season, and you get goals, you get you know bad calls that go against you, and that's a bad call that's perhaps gone for us. But yeah, it's um one that we got away with, I think, rather than one. Yeah. Especially when you looked at, I obviously I know I don't know if obviously everyone else had seen what I was posting on at NHL stats on Twitter all of Friday with about uh, power play differentials and just things, little things like that. It's everyone has that idea that it evens out over the weekend or over a year kind of thing. And possibly the Wildcats were minus 15. They've killed 15 more penalties than they had given to them so far this year. So obviously to get, like I say, to have one and get away with it kind of thing isn't so bad, especially when, again, you're minus one on the weekend. It takes down a minus 16. But yeah, it just felt like what that was one that really should have been called considering some of the others that, let's face it, we've all seen called against for every team, the Wildcats included. I would argue that trip is possibly more obvious than the Akupekarainen one in the playoff semi-final. 
I mean, it was pretty, it did, it, it looked pretty obvious. And I mean, I, I only wanted it, to bring that one up because, again, we were doing this on a popular video video chat site. And every time I mention that penalty, Ben's heart rips in half every yeah. time. I mean, I think the other thing that's worth noting, and, you know, this is to give the officials absolute credit. Hugh Porton was in the absolute perfect spot to make that call and looking right at it. So, you know, he, he could not be in better place to make that call. So, but, you know, it's it's not the, you know, no game without them. And refs are going to make mistakes. And fortunately for yeah. us, it's benefited us on this occasion. Yeah, I was about to say, if anything, we should be saying, no, thank you, Hugh. That yeah. was a great call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For us, it's benefited. I mean, as a neutral or a Raiders fan, I can understand why you look at that and say, how has that not ended up being a penalty? It's what it is. Any other uh, takes from the game, Joe? Um, no, the only other one is I'm going to use this as the sidestep for which I was going to use later about fines. Okay. Because I think Tom knows what's coming here. <laughs> Am I getting fined again for not get, for not <laughs> giving you a chance to? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'll explain this in a minute. So, so as long as we've known each other, we've always done the Coventry finals weekend, apart from a couple of years where I wasn't able to. And the thing we did was... And a couple of years a, where there was no Coventry Finals weekend because, you know, that, that as other well, things yeah. going on in the world. That too. But we've always done it as we've had a pot, similar to what you would have, uh, you know, your local cricket team, rugby team, football team, whichever way you do it, for finding each other. It can be for anything simple. It can be for anything silly. It can be for anything stupid. Like, for example, Ben makes a mistake on a tweet and one of us catches it. That's 50p. Same if I make a mistake on a devil's tweet. Tom, it's basically his existence he gets fined for and we always do this as a case of it's something that we can all spend on let's face it drinks in coventry usually so this year i said it last week again half the half the audience has heard this already uh why not let's us do something different so instead of doing it for you know drinks in coventry let's keep it going all the way through to coventry and instead donate it to a local charity. I don't know, Housley, how you, what you two feel on that, whether or not you uh, would approve that. I know, Tom, that severely impacts your uh, drinking fund for Coventry. Ben, not so much, because you are remotely sober. Yeah. I mean, for start off the back, I'm 100% behind yeah, that yeah, idea. I'm in for it. Um, I think... It's going to affect Tom's bank balance more than it is ours, and you know, as if if he says yes, then then we're well in. Yeah, let's let's, let's go for it. We will update this every month. So at the last count, it was at about seventy quid. That's not just me. I would carry out just to clarify. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. that's the three of us combined. That's the three of us combined by the rough maths. Feel free to join in. Pound and then a pound each for me and Joe. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And feel free to join in. If you see any of the three of us making a mistake or anything like that on Facebook or Twitter, or, for example, Tom, before Christmas, uh, was dressed up as Phone Jacker from the old Channel 4 show when he had two beers, his face mask, and a woolly hat on, with glasses as well. That got him fined. So it's done things. As long as you can kind of justify it, we'll accept it. And the same goes for members of the Wildcats who listen to this. I'm going to suggest this one, because I know he listens to it. Every time Aaron Nell doesn't score in a game, that's a pound. Oh, I thought you were going to say every time Aaron Nell calls a certain team beginning with a different word, beginning with B. 
Oh no, that one's already fifty p. He hasn't paid up that one either. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a pound. You don't score in a game. That's a pound to charity, Aaron. I know you listen. <laughs> we can come up with other ones. It'll just be fun. But this one is for Tom. So we're going to use this as an example. Tom said Emil Speck hadn't scored a five-on-five goal since New Year's Day. Not only did he drop this on me while we were recording, having previously had half an hour to give me a heads up before we hit record to look this up, which he refused to do, that's 50p. The second one is getting it wrong. It's actually the 15th of January against the Sheffield Steel Dogs at home in a 4-3 game. The Wildcats on with two short-handed goals, and he has an even-handed goal for the second one there, assisted by some bloke called Aaron Nell. That's a pound, Graham. Yeah, I'll put the pound in. Fine. His second even-strength goal since New Year's Day was an absolute snipe against the Raiders. Again, if you're listening to this, if you want to find us for anything and you can justify it, Make your case. Send in messages on Twitter and Facebook. We'll address them on the show. If you want to join in and find yourself for having something wrong, do it because it's fun. It's only either 50p or a pound, depending on how bad it is, or if you're Tom, usually a fiver. And hopefully at some point in the next couple of months, we will come up with a local charity in Swindon to actually donate the money to. So the more people want to get involved, the more money we raise. And who doesn't want to rinse Tom Graham of all his money? Hi, MK fans. Here's your chance for revenge. I was just about to say, we talked about the fact that it's mainly 50p or a pound, or there has been the occasional £5 fine. I'm not going to refer to what, but I'm sure all our listeners can work out why Tom was fined a fiver. No comment. Shall we move on? (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's, Let's move swiftly on. So... That was Saturday. Uh, before we go into, I mean, this week has been the longest transfer deadline day I think I've ever had a pleasure to be a, a hockey fan um, and kind of round up all that news. Let's let's look back on last weekend, Joe. Weekend. Okay. Uh, Ben's, as he put it last week, favourite five minutes in his week. <laughs> Friday the 28th. Friday the 28th, we'll kick it off with the Friday night. Peterborough Phantoms 2, the Telford Tigers 1. Telford taking an early lead, six minutes into the game. Vladimir Luka getting his 16th goal in 16 games since signing for the Tigers. Hell of a signing, considering he was sort of lurking in North 1 for the start of the year. But it's two power play goals on what was, as I put it out the Friday morning, statistically the third worst penalty kill in the league. Hi, Peter Phantoms. Here's your two free power play goals. Glenn Bing and Petter Stepanek with the power play goals. Stepanek getting the first, Billing the winner with seven minutes to go. Jordan Marr, a 36 save night, 97.3. Brad Day, again, no matter how many times I say Matt Smith when he loses, he loses bad. Brad Day always seems to have good losses. A 94 save percentage, and you still end up with a loss. That's, yeah, mind boggling. Saturday, the Mason State Bison 2, the Sheffield Steel Dogs 4. The Bison just never really got going in this. It was 2-0 after two periods. The third period was when it all started to kick off. The Bison get one on the board. The Steel Dogs stretch it back out and vice versa until an empty net goal at 59-15 from Matt Bissonette, rounding off at 4-2. Previous goals coming from Lee Bonner, Lee Haywood, and guess who? Yes, Jason Hewitt scored again. Goals for the Bison coming from Hallam Wilson and Ashley Tate. More on the Bison in a 
bit. I'm going to look at Ben here. Just give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Do we want to do the signing news for the Bison in the end of the transfer deadline day segment? Yes, let's just stick this to uh, to we'll results. Stick this the games. Yes. Okay. B's five, Peter Phantoms four. So you go from one good result in beating the league leaders, and then you go and lose to the team with no name. Well done, Peterborough. Uh, the B's. Uh, hell of a performance from them. Two points to Dominic Goodbye. Three points from Ed Bradley, the first defenseman to 10 goals this year. I believe he's now on 30, 32 points. And I think if I'm remembering what I wrote right, he's now on 11 power play points for this year. Um, hell of a signing. I put it as contender for signing of the season. I mean, he's definitely the signing of the season for the Bees. He's definitely got to be up there in terms of the National League, would you guys say? I definitely think he's within a shout. 100% to come from I mean not completely nowhere but just kind of off the radar a little bit and into the the points like that is, is superb Thanks for at least joining in Ben, uh, Tom is too busy staring at his phone and ignoring me He does look like he's been asleep so I was Yeah, I just, yeah. 50p yeah. Yep, she was sending Ooh. another 50p over. Thank you Tom, well, well volunteered <laughs> See See, fans, once this starts, it's very difficult to stop. <laughs> I may have inadvertently opened the gates of hell. I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, goals for the Phantoms in this one come from Scott Robson, Will Weldon, Pat Stepanek again, and Glenn Billing. Curtis Warburton, two weeks ago, he had no wins as a bees netminder. Now he's got three in a row. Well done, that boy. Slightly different night for him on Sunday. Finishing off Saturday, though, the Milton Keynes Lightning 2, Leeds Knights 4, Insert happy Tom noises here. Uh, the Lightning just... They started well, one minute 45 in. Sean Norris gets the goal. Leads then score three unanswered, coming from Adam Barnes, Cole Shudra, and again, that man, Kieran Brown, uh, to make it 3-1. The Lightning pull one back before the dagger coming 45 seconds from time. Kieran Brown again. Quite possibly the most needless fight in the universe in this game. Ethan here and Lewis Christie at 25-35. Christie just sort of beating up Ethan here for accidentally colliding with Matt Smittle on a delayed penalty. Smittle just sort of skated out of his crease, just here was cutting across, and our most pointless fight of the year, anybody? Yeah, um, yeah, I must admit, I watched the highlights of this game earlier, and yeah, I just was, I didn't really, I didn't, I couldn't believe what I saw happen. I, it was just a really weird incident all around. One, I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in the clip. But one, you have got Tim Wallace basically stop and have enough time to ask the referee is there a delay penalty coming? Then you've got Matt Smittle skate into a completely unaware Ethan Hahir who is just doing nothing but skate across the front of the net to get to the other side of the rink. And then yeah, Matt Smittle goes down and Lewis Christie clearly decides at this point. My netmind has fallen over. I need to defend him. And yeah, Ethan here gets into a fight, which, to be honest, he had no real reason to needs to be involved in. And yeah, it was just a really weird incident. Also, a cracking goal from Cole Shudra in this game. Um, absolute snipe on Matt Smittle. Um, you know, if you're going to score a goal, if you're going to score a goal against a, a good team on the road, then that's the way to do it. But yeah, it just a, seemed a really, really pointless, pointless in fight, and it's just a really odd incident in that one. And 
Don't mind yeah. carrying on then. <laughs> no, no it, again, there's not really much more I can add there other than yeah, I think I think I watched it in front of you guys because I hadn't seen it. I was kind of busy at work, and I think my response was, "What? Why?" Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of very much like I like Tom said. They just it was a genuine accident, and I think you can even kind of see Ethan his left hand kind of apologize, like he didn't intend to skate into Smith. Yeah, he, I don't think, I'd argue that it was the other way around. Smith's yeah, just seemed really odd. Um, I just felt like it almost seemed that Lewis Christie kind of decided. I have to now do it. And yeah, it was just a bit oh, weird. Speaking, speaking of Smits, and as I say, when he loses, ba- loses, he loses badly. Four goals, 19 saves, 82.61 save percentage. Thanks for coming, Matthew. Um, again, this weekend didn't get much better. Uh, I'm going to leave one of them. Well, actually, I'm going to leave the two of them for last. Raiders 3, Telford 5. The last one as you go through fixtures life, but I'm going to do this one first because the other two have talking points. Um, the Tigers bounced back from their loss to Peterborough on the Friday night with a big road win in Romford. Goals coming from Bailey Harewood, Jack Hopkins, Andy McKinney, and two more for Vladimir Luka. Two assists for Jason Silthorne, three assists for Scott McKenzie. Again, just sort of under the radar having another really good Scott McKenzie season. It's just face it. Uh, goals for Aaron Connolly, Eric Piatak and Jake Sylvester for the Raiders. Uh, the one big sort of injury note for this one was Ethan James being pulled from the game after six minutes. He gave up one goal on five shots. It was the first goal of the game and that was his night done. I haven't seen anything as to why he was out, but after six minutes, it seems like it's more an injury rather than a decision to pull him from the game. Michael Gray mm-hmm. finishes off with the Lawrence remaining 53 minutes. I'm fairly sure, just to add to that, I'm fairly sure I saw something on Twitter and I'm just going to see if I can find it now for the Raiders, which seemed to indicate the same. Let me just see. It all, while you were waffling and doing that, I would just say, Raiders have no luck with netminders if Ethan James is injured because Brad Winderbank is yeah. injured, hence Michael Gray yeah, his- signed from Chelmsford. Winderbank was injured two years ago as well. Yeah, I feel for goalies in Romford. It's not nice. Here's a tweet from yeah yesterday or Monday even. So um, we would like to to wish Ethan James a very speedy recovery after leaving the game in the first period last night. We'll update you. On, we'll update you when we know more on the injury. So yeah, not not an ideal yeah, well, situation. Dude. Ethan, um, I will give Ben the choice here. Would you like left side of Yorkshire first or right side of Yorkshire first? Let's go right side of Yorkshire first. Leeds Knights 8, Milton Keynes Lightning 2. Again, Tom Happy noises. Uh, 4.9 for Kieran Brown. He gets two goals. Two po- more for Harry Guller as well. Two goals for Adam Barnes. But a 5.9 for Matty Davies, his biggest points haul of the season so far as the Knights run it up. 2-0 after one. It was 5-2 after two. And then three more in the third period. Just put them to absolute bed. A bad weekend all round for the Lightning and a bad weekend if your name is Matthew Smithle. Eight goals, 34 saves and 80.95 save percentage on the Sunday. Sam Gosford at the other end posted 94.4. And as I posted on Monday, Sam Gospel is about 16, well, 1.6% points clear of the next goalie in terms of save percentage. He's on a 9-2-0, the next nearest is on a 9-0-4. 
He's having a worldie on his fit. He is a problem. Um, goals to Lightning, Sam Tolbert and Halden Barnes Garner getting the goals for the Lightning, which means we're left with the left side of Yorkshire. Oh boy, there's something to unpack here. Sheffield Steel Dog 6, the Bees Ice Hockey Club, nil. Firstly, that game gets interesting at the start when there's no Curtis Warburton. Brett Shepard gets the start for the Bees as he's called up to replace Adam Goss for the weekend. Uh, congratulations, Adam. His wedding, I believe, was on Friday. I've probably got the day wrong, but it was his wedding. Of course, naturally, you don't want to play ice hockey that weekend. So Brett Shepard called up from the Slough Jets to play for the Bees. And on Sunday, Curtis Warburton, I don't know, but he wasn't playing for the Bees. Ben? Yeah, so he was backing up the Steelers because the Steelers obviously have two important netminders. Uh, all their imports are fit again, and they can't afford to run both. So Saturday, they had to find a British goalie and found Brad Day because the Tigers had the night off. And Sunday, they then call on the... F- they get first refusal on Curtis Warburton. And, sorry, Bracknell. 50p. Oh, dear Ben. Uh, so Charlie Renzi from the Sheffield Scimitars Under-18s. I believe it's the Scimitars Under-18s. I'm not entirely sure. Um, he was called out to back up, basically, because he's in Sheffield. <laughs> There's no reasons for it. Uh, Brett Shepard, his first proper start in the National League. He has been an absolute worldie for the Jets in South 1 this season. Uh, this kid was a Streatham youth product. He moved to the Jets a couple of years ago, was the backup to Matt Smithle for the last few years. And the first year in his starting job has been lights out for the Jets. So currently in fourth, and it's mainly, if you look at the stats, off the back of Brett Shepard's performances because they don't score goals as well as they should. Uh, he posts an 83.33 save percentage for his first ever National League start, 30 saves. Yeah, six goals against, but if he'll get a chance in a few years' time and he will be good. I'm saying that now. Uh, the Dogs, they get... Two for Lee Hayward, two for Matt Bissonette, one for Lee Bonner. Uh, Bonner, Bissonette and Smith, also he doesn't get three points. He received a match penalty for fighting in what can best be described as an eventful third period. He gets thrown out at 47-29. Five seconds later, you then have the second fight of the night between Charlie Thompson and Josh Kelly. But the big talking point comes two and a half minutes from the end of the game. They're the ones that are the most debateful. Zane McKenzie, a match penalty for fighting. Welcome to Slough. Yes, I nearly said it. I caught myself. And Harvey Stead, five-plus game for slashing. And the Stead one is the most interesting. I believe it's Nathan Ripley. No, it might even be Tim Smith. I can't remember which one it is from the video. Sort of gives him a little dig during a play. And Harvey Stead just turn rounds and baseball swing slashes him in the ankle. It wasn't the greatest play you're going to see all weekend. I've seen, well, I mean, we've all seen that break people's limbs. So taking a double-handed slash at a guy's ankle and then Stead and McKenzie sort of both jumping on him and driving him into the ice and McKenzie throwing some cross-checks in the back of his head while he's down on the ice. It. This is why the whiteboard of doom doesn't get happy points. Yeah. Yeah, but, but before we do that one, let me just do the table and then Ben and Tom can weigh in on this this B situation. The Tigers are still top 43 points. The Wildcats are on 41. The Lightning 38. The Steel Dogs 35. The Knights 32. The Phantoms 29. The Bison 26. The Bees 23 points. And the Raiders still at the bottom on 20. 
boys, what just happened? So, I mean, I've seen the video of the Stead Sheffield player McKenzie incident, and it's pretty bad slash from Harvey. And I think five in game is probably the right call. Um, I think it's fair to say when you take a two-handed slash at a guy, you're going to take a risk of, you know, a two-handed baseless when you're risking getting thrown out. And that's, you know, you can't argue when that's what happens, particularly when you do it right in front of the officials as well. Like, I'm not saying it's any better if you don't do it in front of the officials, but the ref is right there looking at you. Like, don't, you're not going to get any other call. Is only McKenzie getting a match penalty for fighting? It's an interesting one because... I'm not sure if he drops the gloves or not, but he just jumps on top of the prone steel dog player on the ice and starts throwing punches with the um, almost like beating a drum sort of thing with the with his you know it's just a weird weird play and again it just seemed a bit unnecessary. I don't know there must have I don't know whether something's gone on before, but it just seemed a weirdly unnecessary penalty from a frustrated team who were getting beaten heavily on the road and are now potentially going to lose a new signing who's started really well for them for a few games if that match penalty gets upheld, which is just unnecessary. On, on, I mean, and on Leeds and MK, I'm just, just taking MK out, 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 out of this for a moment, they're going to have better weekends. We know that. Like, it's one of those things that you're going to have the occasional really bad game. Look at Swindon Telford from two weeks ago. You're going to have those nights and that for MK, it's just one of those nights and, you know, they'll get better, I'm sure. With Leeds, I mean, we, we, we had the segment a couple a few weeks ago talking about Ryan Aldridge and Dave Whistle and everything that went on at that club. Four wins out of six for Ryan Aldridge and seems to have got that team going again. It's been a good... I don't know if it's the kind of classic new coach bounce, but it seems to be clicking at the moment in Leeds and they look a real dangerous, threatening team again. Yeah, I no, I, again, not much more to add, really. I think the the slash in Sheffield was. I just don't want to see that. It's probably the first time for a while I've seen a proper swing like that. I mean, the worst one by far was the Frankie Bakalik one a few years ago. Um, I got. I think that was on Scott Spearing. Um, I try and dig a video out. It was. I I've never seen the Bakalik one. Oh, have you seen I've, it? I, I, I genuinely, I've, I've never seen the back of it. I've heard about it. I've, I've never it. seen, I've it. seen it. I do remember it. It was a proper I, swing. It was a pretty bad. I, I haven't seen a swing that good of a, an implement like that since Ben Stokes at Headingley. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I mean, it just seemed, again, I get they're 6 0 down and, or 5 0 or 6 0. I don't know what scores at the time, but. Um, lots to not many. Lots to <laughs> not many. It just seems also out, a bit out of character for Harvey Stead. Like, yeah, he's a physical defenseman, and yeah, he gets into sort of scraps and stuff. But he's not ever really been one to do that sort of thing and take cheap shots at people. In the years that I've been watching him in Swindon or in Bracknell or now in Slough, it just doesn't. Yeah, it seems a bit out of character for him, and obviously. Again, frustration, and I don't know whether something had gone on before that's not caught on that clip, but it's not a not a great, great thing to be doing. I'd like to, and again, going back to what we said earlier on in this episode, I would like to volunteer myself for a 50p fine. 
because I've just found the video that I was referring to. I would like to apologize kind of to Frankie Bakalik. Um, yes, he swings, but my oh my, does Scott Spearing swing a lot more than I remembered and is the person I thought was actually Frankie Bakalik. So I'm just going to send that through to our little group chat, just so whilst I'm talking here, Tom and Joe can remind ourselves of the one I'm talking about. Um, it's right at the start of that video. But it's... <laughs> I've seen the title of it. Yeah, just watch the just watch the first five ten seconds. It's uh it's it's special. But yeah, I think a cracking weekend for Leeds. Uh, great results for Oldie uh, and the Knights. Awesome for them and their fans. And they had another packed out rink on on Sunday. Um, but yeah, generally some very happy fans up there. And I'm gonna kind of pause here because I think you two have both seen the video now. I was saying I do remember it. I do remember it now. Um, much more clearly. Obviously, haven't seen it again. I mean, all I'm going to say on it is if those sticks were glowing, they might as well be lightsabers and we'd be having a reenactment of Star Wars on ice. I'd say 2016, that's an Olympic year. They think we're going to be off to Rio for the fencing at that point. Uh, Yeah, Joe, Uh, first time you've seen it, thoughts? Words. What uh, what goes through some of these players' heads, honestly? The one thing is, the one thing I would say is, I think it avoids getting any numbers on our whiteboard, given it is a clip that is, you know, yes, six years um, six years old at this point. So, I think- I, yeah, there's no there's no point to that. So, quickly before we move on to transfer deadline day news, Ben, there was one question I got given from. Uh, it wasn't sort of aimed at me, but I'm going to bring it up on here. Phil Harrison of the Yorkshire the Yorkshire Press, uh, who will win the National League goals race. I want a one-word answer from the pair of you. You have current standings, Kieran Brown, 34, Jason Hewitt, 30, Aaron Nell, 30, Brandon Whistle, 28, Emil Sveck, 26, and Bobby Chamberlain, 24. Who will end up with the most goals? Brown. No, I asked you who had the most goals, not your favourite colour. You said one word, so I could... Yeah, I was going to say one word, and he gave you one word. (laughs) Yeah, I always say that because every time I say, give me an answer, Tom ends up sitting here and going on for about five minutes. Okay, Kieran Brown. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. I am going to go with... Sorry, I'm stalling. I'm stalling because I'm trying to make it... I, I, I can't make my mind up. So hang on. He gives me rubbish for saying you asked for one word and then goes, I'm going to go with... Well, that's five already. <laughs> I say that's 10p a fine per word there, and five 10p's make, oh yeah, 50p. <laughs> Hewitt. There. It's a bold claim. I didn't realise Will Hewitt had scored any goals this year. I'm Jason Hewitt, to be more specific. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom, I really am. Yeah, Joe, not... uh, I'm going to ask that, flip, flip the coin to you. Uh, who, who do you back in that horse race? Aaron Nell. There we go. We've all picked a horse each. I propose the winner saves himself 50p and the other two put a quid in the pot. See, I feel tactically because if Aaron doesn't win it, he's paying my fine. Clever <laughs> man, clever man. This is, this, is, this is why Joe is the brains of this podcast. Absolutely. Well, I, would, I definitely wouldn't say that. <laughs> Right, let's kind of shoot through the next parts of these of this episode because there appear to be absolutely loads of signings to talk about. Um, let's kick things off 
at home, and we have three to talk about. Because, you know, we're absolutely throwing signings out left, right and centre. It kind of feels like May that the speed we're going at at the moment. But hey, it's all good for the fans and they are absolutely loving life. So, Are, are, um, are you saying we're going with the signings for 2022 to first? In the, in the essence of this is a Wildcats podcast, yes. We'll come back to the, the current stuff. But we could talk for hours about uh, these three players, so I'm going to try and keep it pretty quick because... I think we people know what we're going to say, but Tyler Plews was announced in the arena, superbly, I may add, by Scratch. Scratch, if you listen to this, keep it up because yeah, one of the, another one of my highlights of the week, absolutely superb job. But yeah, Scratch did, and with Lee as well, did a great announcement to uh, confirm that Tyler Plews was back on a two-year deal, and then earlier this week it was announced that Rennie Mar was back for a one-year deal and the most recent one of the three chris jones back on a one-year contract as well guys three key parts of our team yeah yeah um can't really can't really say much more than that um obviously bluesy excellent defenseman really come into his own the last couple of years um really physical player as well um we saw that with you know some of the some of the kind of open eyes hits he makes, but also just sort of the, the the strength on the boards and clearing the puck out. I mean, Rennie, you need a top netminder in this league. You need two net, good netminders in this league these days. But Rennie is one of the top guys in the league um, and gives you a chance to win. You know more often than not. And then Chris Jones has been a kind of cru- crucial part for the Wildcat success over the last few years. He's a really reliable centre. He's good on the power play. He hasn't really maybe scored the goals this year that he, he has in previous seasons, but um, yeah, like he's he's a great player and he's a, he's a great piece of this team. And obviously, you know, slightly biased because you know might you know have a personal interest in CJ doing well and scoring goals. But um, yeah, no, he's a, in, in all seriousness, he is a really big piece of this team and has been for a couple of years. And that you know the connection between him and Eddie Bebris has been a you know big part of the Wildcats winning trophies. So yeah, I mean three three solid signings and three you'd probably expect the Wildcats to make as well. Um like these guys who I don't think are playing elsewhere in the National League anytime soon or wouldn't have been obviously not definitely not now, but wouldn't have been looking elsewhere in the National League. Yeah, Joe, your reaction to the the three returnees? Yeah, obviously love all three resignings. Tyler Blues, it's it doesn't take a genius to work out why the penalty kill fell off around the time he was injured. Just going to say that. That's the simplest way of putting it. Uh, Chris Jones, again, he's on 30 points, 23 assists. I believe that's him just outside the top 10 in National League assists this year. Six of those on the power play. He's got two game-winning goals as well. Three shorthanded assists. Just throwing it out there. And um, Rennie Marr is Rennie Marr. I mean, again, doesn't take a genius to work out why we had a bad run when Rennie Marr was injured. Uh, second in the league for goals against average, 2.92. Fourth in the league for save percentage of 0.904 behind only Sam Grosball, Brad Day and the Demigod, who follows me on Twitter now. <laughs> Clearly a podcast list plug in somewhere. Oh, I had to. That made my day. <laughs> it made our day as well when, you, when we saw how happy you were as well. Um, yeah, no, Re- Rennie is obviously always up there as one of the best, well, three, four net miners in the league. You can literally 
go NIHL stats uh, <laughs> on Twitter. You can literally go through uh, the bits I put up on there the other day. The top four goalies for save percentage, goals against average, are the same four, just in a slightly different order each time. It's Sam Gospel, Brad Day, Dimitri Samostra, and Rennie Ma. They're also the same top four ish for wins because you know jordan has to ruin it by having a name that begins before r <laughs> yeah pretty pretty much that but yeah that like we said and um, i'm gonna say it because i don't think it's ever going to be announced publicly necessarily um needless to say i'm going to be safe to assume aaron now has also returned uh as he has quotes in all of those releases okay that's the signing that you know, the only time we get the announcement is when he's not returning as a player. Yeah, yeah, very much that he's going to absolutely be a part of that team going from September onwards. But let's kind of turn things back a little bit because, like Joe said, they are signings for September onwards and there has been a decent amount of movement for signings that are going to pretty much affect teams probably from, well, this week. Um, which way around do we want to do this, guys? Should we do them in the order we, they were announced? Where are we starting? Should we do them in the order they were announced and start down in Slough? Yeah, why not? Tom, Slough. Okay, so Wildcats, you know, the Wildcats' favourite player who's probably never played for the Wildcats, Dan Weller-Evans, gets a loan move for the rest of the season from the Basingstoke Bison to the Bees Ice Hockey Club. I feel like Joe doing this. This is amazing. With the, gets, gets the, um, so he, he moves to to the slough for the remainder of the season. There is a clause that allows Basingstoke to call him back should they need him. I would imagine that basically means should they get an injury to either Jordan Lauday or Alex Metham. Um, I think it's a good move, move for Dan, particularly if there's any kind of question marks over Curtis Warburton going forwards. If the Steelers need him, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, Steelers have rights to first refusal. If they're not going to be using two important netminders all night, they're probably going to be trying to call up Curtis Warburton. It's an opportunity for Dan to at the very least be in a in a, in a game uh, night roster. Um, hopefully, he gets some starts there. He obviously knows Doug Shepard from his time in Basingstoke, so it's a really, I think, a really, really sensible move all round. And it's great to see. Yeah, it's going to be great to see Dan getting some getting an opportunity to you know play because I know how frustrated it must you must be having you know sitting out and it's obviously he's just been victim of the numbers game in Basingstoke when Lorde came in because you've ended up with a really solid duo of Metham and Lorde and there's got to, at that point got to be an unlucky guy who isn't in that in the in that pairing and that's unfortunately in this case Dan so yeah, I think it's a good move for the bees what do you guys think yeah Nodding, nodding doesn't help. <laughs> I wasn't sure which one of us was going to go first. Then you go first. Oh no! All I was going to say was, yeah, I think we all know Dan for different reasons away from the ice, and I can pretty much guarantee he would have been desperate to be playing some hockey uh, coming into the start of 2022. And yeah, I think it's a great move. Like you said, Doug knows him. He knows Doug. He knows quite a lot of the guys on that team. Uh, and if Doug, if you are listening. Uh, he's owed a start in Swindon because what happened when he went down injured last time was just not fair. We've been waiting for Dwee to, to get a game at the link and when he did, he got injured. So yeah, he, he's owed one. So put that one on the calendar, put a little red like circle around it. But yeah, good signing. I think it's good for the Bees to have the knowledge that they've got. on. 
but it kind of strikes me is that they're finding out if they get Curtis Warburton quite late, and I think it's it's good for them to have that continuity uh, and for Dan to to get some hockey. Joe, uh, again, it's the perfect mix of a guy who wants to play and a team that needs a goalie. Uh, Dan's always has deserved a chance at this level. He is probably going to get it now in Slough. Adam Goss possibly is back for the weekend, but I don't, I don't know yet. I don't know his plans for his wedding or honeymoon. Curtis Walton, as he said, it's a bit hit and miss. It feels like it's something the Bees probably need to address in the off-season as well, the whole Warburton two-way thing, because it hasn't really worked this year. His performances at the start of the year for the Bees weren't great. He's now coming, like I said, he won three in a row, now he's disappeared again. So it's something they need to address, but I'm happy for Dan because it, again... Arguably this one of, if not the nicest men I've ever met in ice hockey. Like I did co-commentary with him last year for the Sun Devils in the Spring Cup. Just the nicest guy. Had all the time in the world for me. Knew I was nervous. And we worked for it brilliantly together. And genuinely, it was so much fun to sit there before games just picking his brains. Yeah, like I say, he, he's, he's such a nice guy for the times that I've been lucky enough to speak to him. Before we move on to the um, other two signings, I suppose we should also address the other bit of news out of the bees today which is the departure in kind of quotation marks because it's not a official departure of Niklas Ornmarker who has returned to Sweden to continue recovery from a long-term wrist injury they've left the door open for him to return and um, should he you know get healthy before the end of the season but you know I don't think he's coming back yeah it kind, um, of, kind of got the impression he's not coming back so Joe Niklas Ornmarker well, I think when I put out my preseason thing, I basically said he is either going to be a typical Doug Shepard import, he is either going to hit the ground and score 100 points in 40 games, or he is going to be gone by October. I was a bit off. It's February, but he might be gone. Um, eight points in 12 games in the league. He does have a game in goal and that. Only the one point on the power play, which for an import seems off to me i don't know about you guys having an import forward in particular that only gets the one point on special teams is a bit odd the autumn cup it was four points in six games so that's a total of 12 points in 18 games from an import how much power play points situation will be the fact that dominic goodbye is probably getting an awful lot of power play time for understandable reasons obviously only being that one input on the ice that any one time. This is true, and I imagine it is a case of they do flip it around. Um, the bees have scored as of the time of recording 23 power play goals. Goodbye has 17 points on those. Yeah, so I feel like, but yeah, I, I, I must admit, from one, what I've seen of all Marga, he scored a decent breakaway goal against us earlier in the year. Didn't really see much else of him from other games. I know the bees fans were. Mixed. I think the, prob- the problem he also him. has the problem he also has is they made the signing of Adam Rossbottom earlier in the month and he's hit the ground running six does. points in ten games. Yeah. Also, they've also had all the other Jets players have had on two ways. Christian Moore has come in and done a job. Luke Smithle played at the weekend, which again, it's weird. There's a Smithle wearing 32 for the Bees again. Help me, I'm scared. And, and you've got um, say McKenzie's come in and hit the ground running. You've got Alan Lack. And, and, and hit the ice with a person's face. So... <laughs> Yes. So, but yeah, so anyway, the, the moves in and out of the bees um, have been numerous. And there we go. What, what, what are we doing next? Well, I feel like at this point, it's only fair to say, uh, let's talk Sheffield. We're doing it in signing order. This is 
This yep. is as good as, as Jim White on transfer deadline day. Okay. Get my yellow tie. Yeah. <laughs> so am I leading on this again? Is this, is this how it's working on this one? Yes. Okay. Fine. This is my segment. I, I, I appreciate this. Um, so Sheffield Steel Dogs announced the signing of Sheffield Steelers forward Andreas Valdix for the remainder of the season. Now, now, Tom, just before you move on, um, you said Sheffield Steel Dogs, right? Yeah. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but that's not how you pronounce Leeds Knights. Yes, yeah. So, Ben, will, we'll, let, we'll get Ben to explain that one in a second, but yes. Um, Valdix, a forward with vast kind of experience and a number of years in the Elite League, has been this year, he's played a few games as an injury cover for both the Cardiff Devils and the Steelers, and now moves in to join former teammate Jason Hewitt. And yeah, the Steel Dogs get an experienced input for the remainder of the campaign. Ben, do you want to explain the Leeds Night thing, and then we'll talk about um, yes, we'll talk it's about another fifty p in the pot. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. A bus? Yes, let me just push in front of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that is another classic example of a fifty p and a lesson to everybody. Don't necessarily believe everything you read on the internet. Um, now, there was a rumor that I'd kind of seen that uh, he may or may not have been temporarily playing for the Knights at the weekend just gone. Uh, obviously didn't and is now a steel dog. But quite rightly, when it was announced at lunchtime, Tom and Joe both in our group chat decided to remind me that that would be another 50p in the pot. Um, and I will uh, willingly accept said fine. It's starting. I mean, let's face it, they've already got Matt Bissonnette, who's an elite quality import. They've got Jason Yu, who's an elite quality Brit. Now they signed another elite quality import. Um, Valdix had 127 points in three seasons in the elite league with the Steelers and the MK Lightning. You look at that Steel Dogs team, obviously, he's not going to be with Hewitt because I feel that's the Matt Bissonnette role. I could see him being on the second line with Lee Bonner because they're really pushing for Lee Bonner. And Lee Bonner was brilliant last year, also two years ago for the whole Pirates. He's been really good at the start of this year. I could see Valdix just being the Matt Bissonnette type playmaker role for Bonner. And then it's just a case of you put the rest of that forward course somewhere around it. I mean, James Spur has obviously done time on that first line as well. Uh, Jack Brammer has done it as well. Sam Tanner, obviously. They still have Alex Graham when he's available from the Steelers. And... The Steel Dogs have got something there. I don't know if there is there was there is another signing or anything that's you know we're just waiting on paperwork kind of thing being announced and all that stuff. But no, this again, it's a real good signing for them. It's a real good signing for the league. It's it's yeah. How could you not? How could you not approve of this signing? It's it's one of those things where it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'm I'm intrigued to see him at the national level as well. I don't know about you two. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of like the MK signing of Tim Wallace from a few weeks ago. It's bringing in a guy with a ridiculous amount of experience, a <laughs> massive amount of experience at elite league level. It's, it's only going to make that team better. Like, even if Maldix isn't the same player he was kind of four or five years ago in his main spell with the Steelers, he's still going to be, you know, a class act in this league and should still be a massive asset to that Steel Dogs team. I'm not going to say this is like a direct comparison between the players, but everyone remembers Tony Hand in the EPL era of being that guy who maybe wasn't the quickest skater anymore, wasn't the hardest hitter anymore, but by God, could he pick out a pass? 
there's no reason why Andreas Valvich couldn't come in and do that exact same role. He might not be as quick as he was. He might not be everything else, but he does just, he should be able to pick up pass. The numbers from his elite league days show that. I mean, the Steel Dogs, they've had a bit of a, well, they've had a bit of an off run for the last month or two, I'd say. They had a bit of a run, like they had a bit of a wobble around Christmas time. Now they they had obviously they missed a load of players through injuries and COVID. I mean, we all saw the Matt Bissonette hit in Milton Keynes. It's, they're going to bounce back. It's going to make a really interesting end of the season. I mean, even before we get onto this last signing that we have to talk about, this run into the end of the season looks really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think I think it shows that the Steel Dogs, despite their kind of up and down spell in recent months. Um, I think it shows they haven't given up on any on any silverware at this point. They can they're still in touch in the league race. Just you know they're maybe outsiders in that, but they're still looking at good playoff position. They're still in that cup semi final against us in a few weeks' time. They're still going to be in the playoffs. So yeah, Valdex is only going to make them better over those kind of short formats short format competitions, but also help them in the league because it's just another ex- experienced quality player. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a a really good signing. And now, should we move on to the final signing of deadline day? A late a late move sneaking in at 7 o'clock. Um, a 7 o'clock deadline day signing. You know, we, you've got to love it. You know, I can imagine this is the window down of the car being announced in by... Um, by the coach sort of thing if this was Jim White for context for context fans that is the fourth time today Tom has tried to fit a Harry Redknapp out of his car window in the image no, into our chat at any point there is no today. there is no yeah but it's the first time I tried to do it on the podcast um, there is no no <laughs> oh, it's not fine I'm just pointing that out there is no deadline day that is complete without Harry Redknapp hanging out of a car window being interviewed. Um, but anyway, anyway, the, the final signing, the final signing of deadline day, um, the arrival of Morgan Clark Pizzo in Milton Keynes on a two-way with Nottingham. So Morgan Clark Pizzo has been on a two-way between Nottingham and Peterborough Phantoms since the start of this season. He left the Peterborough Phantoms earlier in the week and that would have been part of our, our um, podcast on its own. But he left the Peterborough Phantoms to um, go to a club that could give him more ice time, given the Phantoms have got Pat Stepanek coming in, they've got guys coming back. That club is the Milton Keys Lightning. So what do we think about this, this signing? Okay, okay, I know Ben's going to blow his top in a minute, so I'm going to take this one first. The main point that makes me laugh is... The quote from the Phantoms release. He's leaving because the Phantoms can't give him the ice time he needs, so he's going to a club that can give it to him. So instead he went to the MK Lightning. Now, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I spent the majority of that trying to work out where on earth he fits into this offence. And the only thing I can think of is either... Edgar's Landsbergs or Adam Leishroom is about to get fired. Yeah. Um, I certainly, it seems, I think this is the perfect example of embarrassment of riches, isn't it? 
I mean, there is obviously a link. There is obviously a link that needs to be discussed between Morgan Clark Pizzo and the Milton Keys Lightning, and that is the man that we discussed just a couple of moments ago, Tim Wallace, who was the coach who took him on a two-way at Nottingham and is now a player on that Lightning roster and director of player development. So I guess that potentially is where this link has come from, but it does it seem absolutely a makes sense weird for, move. No, it absolutely makes sense for Timothy to take his man, but it doesn't... <sighs> It doesn't make sense to me on a number of reasons. Like, okay, we're all agreed that the top line is essentially Norris, Chamberlain, Talbot here, right? For the Lightning this year. Yeah. Been pretty much consensus top line. Yeah, I don't think you're changing that. The second line is arguably Stuart, Cowley, and A, another, usually Jameson, I want to say. Yeah, well, recently, I think, I think the last couple of games, it looks like it's been Tim Wallace. Whether... If you just look at the top nine you would have had, you'd have had Norris, you've got Norris, Talbot, Chamberlain, who are all north of 40 points. Then you've got Stuart Cow- Stuart's on 40, Cowley's on 30. Your third line then has Leisham on 25, Jameson on 24, and Tim Wallace, who is a former NHL player. How does Morgan Clark Pizzo get in that top nine? I mean... I don't want to. You've still got Mikey Power, Edgar's Landsbergs, Halden Vaughn's Garner. They've got a full 12 man forward system here. Yeah, I feel like we're in a position, we probably were anyway, but particularly now with the addition of Clark Pizzo. If the Milton Keynes Lightning don't win two trophies out of the remaining three minimum, I feel like they'll have been really disappointed with the second half of their season. No, I'm going to say three out of three, isn't it? I'm not going to say three out of three. I, if they don't win two out of three, it's not disappointing. It's it, it for me that's a complete failure. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's not a knock on Swindon, Telford, Sheffield, Peterborough, any other teams in the league. Just Milton Keynes, with the talent they've got now, should be head and shoulders above the rest. They shouldn't be losing eight to two. I know that happens. But if it happens again, I feel like there's a real problem. Um, in all seriousness, Ben, we haven't actually asked you for your opinion yet on this signing. Go ahead. Oh, dear. Uh, I, it's just confusing on, on a few levels. I just, like like you guys have pointed out, the, the embarrassment of riches in that, that Milton Keynes forward line, I having read the, the press release, uh, it was kind of worded that, Morgan Clark Pizzo wanted to speak to the Lightning uh, about getting a some a roster spot in there effectively. And having read the quotes from from Lewis Clifford in that, I, I kind of look at that and go, he's wanted to go there for ice time, and I I'm confused as to seeing where it's going to come from on a on a super regular basis. And don't get me wrong, for, for when he was at Peterborough, he did spend you know a few times he was. He was icing for the Panthers, and, and that's great. But I, I don't see the in it, and there's there's probably more to it. I just don't see the the idea of you think you're not getting enough ice time in Peterborough, and if you then want to go looking for more ice time at the national level, I I don't ring Milton Keynes at the moment. I, I don't buy the whole I want more ice time thing as a reason for it. This sort of stinks of if you can't beat them, join them really. And I know it's probably a half round. I know we're going to get the Rick Tane hours, but and I just wanted to finish my bit on this off with that one thing. Everyone remembers there was a famous photo from about a decade ago from footballer Liam Ridgewell after he signed his new contract with twenty pound notes. 
Ben's nodding because he couldn't remember the photo on about Thomas was looking confused. I, that I, photo, I, I'll find it. I'm hoping Ben will find it for you. One of us will find it for you in a minute, Tom. But that photo is just reminding me of what the MK Lightning are doing with this so-called salary cap. If you needed any further proof that the salary cap is not worth the tweet it was written on, you just got it. There is... There was, there is no point. It doesn't exist. I will say the line again, Bart. We might as well sit here and talk about unicorns. We've, we've kind of mentioned this quite a lot, and I think one time you kind of look at it and go, "Yeah, everyone's done that." When they signed Mikey Power, you know, we've signed Barmer, Sheffield have got Valdix, they've got Brammer, they've got Alex Graham, they've got. I, I could list teams that have gone out and done that. Two and the second one's an, an NHL, a former NHL import from an elite league team. You kind of look at it and go, hmm. And three, you, yeah, I just. You're picking, up a, you're picking up a prospect from, you know. Your nearest rival. Your nearest rival. Time, which I don't really buy the lines of that. I, I, I just can't see where he's going to get the regular ice time he wants that he then couldn't get in Peterborough. I think that that's the bit that kind of sticks in the front of my mind. I, it's just, I'm not buying that. I, you know what? And again, I, I have no issues. Fair play to Milton Keynes. We've said this before. If, you, if you've got the ability to do that and you want to strengthen your team going into a, some cup semifinals this week, some playoff run, the league title race, by all means, fair play. You, if you've got the ability to do it, then why shouldn't you? Um, but you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say this, and I know exactly how this is going to come back to bite me in the backside. But if we win on Saturday in Milton Keynes, I'm, it's going to be brilliant. Because the joke is, like, they had a a no-point weekend, and I know a fan of the show, David Strover, said to me, I wonder who they'll sign this week. Um, Yeah, that's happened. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I think I'm not exactly going into Milton Keynes with a massive amount of confidence this weekend, because I look at the roster they've had, and I look at the up-and-down run of form we've had, and they've got a point to prove after losing twice to a Steve Nell-owned team last week, that... They, they, yeah, they will be massively disappointed if they don't pick up two points on Saturday from us. I think that would be the thing. They would be massively disappointed to lose three in a row with the roster they've got, um, and they shouldn't lose three in a row with the roster they've got. It's as simple as that. The Wildcats are a good team. The Wildcats can beat Milton Keynes Lightning on their night. However, on in in that rink with the speed on that Milton Keynes roster with the goal scoring on that Milton Keynes roster, there's no reason to think that they're going to lose two home games in a row. If they do, then they do. But, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things. And I think, you know, fair, as you say, fair play to them. They've gone out and they've strengthened and they've strengthened and they've strengthened. And, yeah, they're the team to beat now going forwards, even if they have, are coming off a poor weekend by their standards. The last thing I'm going to say on this... They don't have any excuse now to not succeed for the rest of the year. They've got every, and again, it's not a bad thing. They've got every piece of the puzzle. They've got 
defense. They've got depth. They've got scoring. They've got two imports. They've got youth. They've got experience. They've got leadership. They've got everything. It's now up to the coaching staff and the team to make sure they deliver because there's no excuse now. Have everything. They don't have the autumn cup. <laughs> they don't. It's very true. That is very true. But I think that kind of brings us to the end of deadline day. Um, so it's now going to kind of time to swerve into dreadline day. Yes, I have been thinking of that for the last couple of minutes. Uh, is there before I say, Tom, talk us over the weekend? Anything else we've missed? Yeah, but I think we'll save it for next week because I think it kind of deserves a longer segment on its own, really. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll just this one next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. So it's a, a, a two-game weekend for the Wildcats this weekend, but not a Saturday-Sunday as we know and love. So Friday night at the Benelink Centre, the Swindon Wildcats take on the Basingstoke Bison, 7.30 face-off um, in that one. And then on Saturday, it's a big game in Milton Keynes against the newly strengthened Milton Keynes Lightning. A seven o'clock face-off at what do we what do, what do we call it? The Thunderdome, Planet Ice, Milton Keynes. Planet Ice, Milton Keynes. That's what it says on that's what it says officially on on the Wildcats website. So we'll go with that. Seven o'clock face-off, and yeah, streams tickets available uh, for both games. It's a big weekend for the Cats. Um, yeah. And then it's a Sunday to watch other hockey or no hockey whatsoever, um, depending on what you're doing. But yeah, no, 7.30 face-off Friday, 7 o'clock face-off on Saturday. Let's go and make a racket at Milton Keynes. Yeah, and I, you know, before the, the, the signings of the last couple of weeks in Milton Keynes, that game was always going to be a really, really good game of hockey. And I have no doubt that Saturday is going to be just as good a game of hockey, uh, if not even more now. Um, yeah, boys, th- th- thanks very much. That's episode 41. Joe, anything else? Well, I, no, I was just going to say, Tom's also got uh, Tom's also got another game on the Sunday as well. I do. I do. Um, I am, yeah, I'm going to be seeing, seeing one of my co-hosts in person. And just to clarify which one, it's not Ben Callahan because I'll be seeing him in person the other two nights of the, week, of the weekend. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I feel, like, I feel like we're some kind of couple that Tom's, you know, like, we're a divorced couple. Tom's the child. Yeah. You I get him Friday, Saturday. Of... I get him Sunday. Yeah. I did. Me, and Tom, me and Tom are in Slough. It's the Slough Jets against the Silent Devils in South Swan. And the last time that happened, there was a full-on bench clearance. So I've been sold. Yeah. I've, been, I've been sold high on this one, Joe. I've been. I've got high expectations. If you were sold high, it wasn't by me. <laughs> yes. So Ben, Ben, don't worry. You can have him back Monday. <laughs> no, I am going to wrap this one up with a admission that may what? impact a certain amount of money being put in a certain pot. Oh no! And I thought there's. If I'm going to do it, I may as well do it publicly at this point because that might even potentially save me at least well one note, maybe not two. Yeah, about me having a Sunday off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I am actually going to a game of hockey. Uh, Events have kind of transpired in the slightly different turn of events, but I sadly will not be in Slough. 
Where are you going? I'm going to go and test out the Sky Dome ahead of the uh, the other the playoff weekend. Well, that's it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tune in next week where we find out who is the new host of the podcast because Ben will have been murdered by the pair of us. Yeah. And also find out how little is in his bank account. Next week's episode will be, will be extremely entertaining when we have two Wildcats match reports and then two match reports from elsewhere. We get to compare Elite League Hockey to South One. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording here and say that was episode 41. And stay dead, tuned man. for episode 42, if for no reason other than to find out how much it's cost me. <laughs> <laughs>